We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Vlogs podcast, the Bearcast, where we run you through all the Cal sports news you need to know about. But this week, mostly football, a little bit of basketball, but my, I'm Rob Huang. My co-host, Andy Johnson, is right here next to me. Andy's not in a happy place right now because we're recording this right after Monday Night Football, and we were supposed to actually start recording, what, 8? Yeah. <laughs> it's now 9-10. <laughs> You wanna you wanna give a short summary of why we were watching the the Niner game like the the last like two minutes of the fourth quarter in overtime? Yeah, for the fantasy yeah fans out there. Yeah. Okay, so I'm in second place in the league, playing the first place team, uh, for first place in the entire league. We're the two teams that have scored the most points in the league, and we have the matchup this week that has scored the most points in the league. And I was winning by I mean at this point like. Before the game went into overtime, it appeared that I was going to lose. I had 130 points, and they had Russell Wilson and Chris Carson, at, and they had 128 points. And then uh, it immediately seemed like I would win because Te- I have Tevin Coleman, who on the last drive of the ball game got an additional three points, put the lead about three. And then in overtime, Tevin Coleman didn't play a single snap. And then the Niners had a chance to win the game and miss the field goal, but then they stopped them again and got the ball back with the interception. Had, oh, was it? Yeah, the interception. With, with the, the interception, which, which theoretically won me my matchup. Then uh, they missed, they the, missed field. the field goal, but then they stop the Seahawks again. And then they get the ball back, and they do absolutely nothing. And then Russell Wilson runs for 21 yards. And not only do I lose the fantasy matchup, but we also lose the football game. And so it was just. A very cow night. Yes, Andy is a Niners fan. For those that do not know, yeah, yeah. So tough. it was double devastating night. That was super devastating. Standing in front of the TV, yelling, "No!" <laughs> it was like the Darth Vader "No" from Revenge <laughs> of the Sith. No. Yeah, that was it. That was it. <laughs> All right. Oh, got a rally. Got a rally. And that that's this very is a happy pot. This is a happy pot. That's a good transition because we the Bears did rally this week. The Bears rallied. Wow, what what a game! What an absolute joy of a game to watch. I don't think there's like 
any way to describe it. It was one of those as the game was going on. Oh, okay, yeah, we're, we're okay. We're really doing this. We're really gonna do this in this fashion. All right, and then the game came to a close, and we won, and now we're one win away from bowl eligibility. So and you scored thirty over thirty points. First which... time this year, over thirty <laughs> points. First time this year. Just as we expected. Just as we expected. The Washington State game in November. <laughs> That's what we had said in that preview pod. Um, so here, here's how we'll here's how we'll do the pod as like a table of contents for the pod for you. So we're, I'm gonna run you through what happened in the game with a short summary of it. Andy and I will talk about the game just for a little bit, and then we're just gonna head straight into your questions because you guys, the listeners, if you're one of them, um, and you asked us a question, we had a ton. Because we were supposed to record yesterday, but then we pushed it today. So we had two days to accumulate a whole bunch of questions. And I, most of them is about the Washington State game. So I think what we'll do is we'll talk we'll talk a little bit about this, just our, our thoughts about the game, you know, so on. And then we'll go on to that. So here we go. Cal, off a second bye week, hosts Washington State at home November 9th. Which, by the way, we're wearing our gold uniforms again against Washington State. I don't know if that was planned or not. Maybe I think it might have been after the gold game against the Washington State two years ago in Berkeley. You know, the Freaky Friday game uh, with the Ross Bowers, uh, Russell Copter, you know, um, gymnastics move over the end zone. But by the way, Cal wins 33-20, to 20, uh, led behind Devon Modster's total, and I say total, of four touchdowns. Total of four touchdowns. Um, Cal's led the way rushing-wise uh, by Chris Brown Jr., 19 carries for 95 yards and a touchdown, average of five five yards a carry with a long of 27. Devon Monster, of course, 16-24, no interceptions, 230 yards, three touchdowns with a long pass of 52. Um, Catching-wise, Carl Crawford, four for 58. Uh, Mackay Polk, three for 71 with a touchdown. Of course, most of that coming off of his 52-yard touchdown run from that screen pass and that's pretty much it offensively defensively evan weaver again only 10 tackles still <laughs> double digits though only only with a tackle for a loss cam bynum uh, right behind him with eight total tackles coin dang with seven and the man the man of the match or the game for me defensively josh Drayden, six tackles two tackles for loss um was just absolutely everywhere over the field and that's pretty much it. Um, other than some team stats, Cal had uh, 19 first downs. Washington State had 23. Net rushing, Cal 196. Washington State 16. 16. That's not a typo. Passing-wise, Washington State 407 yards passing. 407 yards passing. Wow. Wow. And two passing touchdowns. But if you negate the last one, the last uh, garbage time touchdown, he only had one touchdown pretty much the entire game barring the last minute and that's pretty much it um andy you just watched a quick version of the game because you were you were out so you know you were couldn't watch the game but you came over earlier we watched like a a condensed version of the game where we just kind of sped through all the commercials and all the in-betweens and watched every play i i think you might have the best like initial thoughts you might be like the the perfect person right now just because the game's the freshest, been too, yeah, the freshest because it's been two, two yeah, days. If we now. hadn't done the Niners game, yeah, after. We... <laughs> um, the I think I mean it's kind of a weird feeling. Uh, it's like I'm sure you guys didn't walk out of the stadium and say this is a weird feeling. But it's a weird feeling 
given that I think every pod has been so somber for the last month. Like Cal football just like stopped being fun for a little while. Um, the month of October. It just wasn't fun. Like it was weird. You know, it was one of those things where I sort of like I had the voice in my head was like, what? We spent so much time with Cal football and yet – what is this? Does it, <laughs> you know, like, did you have to Marie Kondo Cal football? Like, did you have, does it bring you joy? <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like wondering, I was like, are we going to go four and eight? And then I was like spending actual mental bandwidth, like talking to myself about that. So yeah, it hasn't been fun, but that was super fun. Um, I mean, it was amazing. You talk about like wanting to see the changes in offense and then you see us running like play actions and, uh, screen passes and all of these plays that we've been wondering, like, we, why aren't these in the you know portfolio of options for us? Um, and it was great to see Monster be successful because obviously I've been rooting for that guy for a long time. And, um, you know, I think he's based on his, you know, uh, UCLA kind of pedigree. I thought that he was going to do pretty well. So it was great to see that he had a couple of, <laughs> Bad misses on some overthrows. They need a couple. There was a couple of drop balls that I think were pretty devastating. But uh, all around, it was just it's just crazy. Like I don't think you can give this team a week's preparation against Washington State, and then you give them two weeks of preparation against Washington State. It's just game over. They're so fast with the ball. You talk about Josh Drayden. It's like seemed like he was just so ready to like he knew exactly what he needed to do, and he was doing it at the split second in which he needed to do it. And the DBs, that one tweet that GA posted where he talks about like the DBs crashing down the ball. I mean, it was crazy to even see that. They had such good recognition of that play. All three of them, they were sitting back. And the second they saw the receiver get the ball out in the flat, they all, like three or four of them come crashing down on it. So um, overall, it, it was a season-saving win. And uh, all the signs of life that you would need to convince yourself that you know, it's entirely possible for Cal football to, you know, realistically beat the next three opponents. I don't think that's going to happen, but you can tell yourself that and not be a, com- you know, complete looney tune for doing it. So it was great. Yeah. I mean, special teams, special teams wasn't great, but yeah, I mean, two field goals missed and one PAT returned for two points. I mean, yeah, that's bad. And the, the, P- the field goal, the field goal was really bad. The field goal was really bad because you were given 30 yards on a bat, on you know two penalties at the same time. Two personal fouls, one on a coach. I mean, you don't get points there. I mean, that's just classic. I mean, that's classic Cal football. And that's you don't want to be saying classic Cal football. We like to be non-classic. The modern version. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, basically this this game had everything I mean, now that I look at it, I think this game pretty much had everything that we wanted fixed got fixed, right? Defe- like, I'll start defensively. Defensively, we've been clamoring for the tackling angles to get better, the focus to get better, the the urgency on defense to stop guys to get better. All of that happened. The tackling angles got better. You saw, it, like, I mean, can you say anything more on, like without looking at just Josh Raiden's tackles? Like, just looking at his tackles alone, you're like... Okay, yeah, they that's definitely what they've been working on. It's got to be something <clears throat> it's got to be something with that offense too though. Yeah. I think that they just have that recognition and it just made I, I mean they just see it just they make made it look easy. Yeah, and, they eat up air raid offenses. <clears throat> no question. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so it just sort of seemed like that was the right opponent at the right time. 
Um, and the defense still had some of its, you know, some of the issues that we've seen. The middle was, yeah, it's obviously difficult to defend the middle, of, like any part of the air raid because it forces you to spread so far apart. But I did think that we struggled, you know, at times uh, covering the middle of the field. It just seemed like Anthony Gordon had some pretty easy options. But, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, it was just great to see us get pressure on the quarterback too. Like that was – that's what we needed. You know, like this is what I was thinking this whole time was I miss my boy Funchess. Like I really do because you would just see him flying with his hair behind him, coming around chasing quarterbacks. And uh, I think that's a bigger lo- been a bigger loss this season. So it was great to see, you know, Hawk Strider and some other players step up. Yeah. And then offensively, like we saw it in the Utah game. I think we kind of saw it a little bit earlier too where we're just kind of like, okay, we're getting a bit more creative with our play calling. We're screens. What? Like, you know, play action. What? Bootleg rollouts. What? Uh, spider two Y banana. What? Um, like <laughs> what? You, what, 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 <laughs> what, what, that's what you and Trace were doing in the press box. Yeah. I was, what, what is going on right now? Um, but you know, we kind of, we talked about this on the previous pods and we're kind of like, okay, was this, was this a formula just to help out our younger quarterback that was playing at the time? Or is this a thing like a trend that we're starting to see where we're where we're kind of doing a lot more things, right? And we'll talk about the Bull Baldwin aspect of this later on. But regardless, they started executing those plays that we had started to see the last few games executed to perfection here. Mm-hmm. And that's we can't we can't go without saying the return of Mike Safel being how big of an impact that was to be able to do those things. But regardless, like the play actions were perfect. Guys were running like perfectly into into the open spots. Like you saw Devon, you know, roll out a bunch of times and hit guys like w- while moving, and it just gave us another aspect. And then you saw Devon make some crazy scramble runs too. There's at least two that was just like, thank God we had Devon in, because you know, w- both of us love Spencer and what he brings and what we think he could bring in the future. But, man, in that Utah game, like, he struggled to run away from defenders. But we had Devon be able to do that, especially with this, with the Washington State defense kind of being known for their speed D, like their D-line guys being smaller, uh, smaller-bodied guys, but a lot faster than some of the other D-lines will play all year long. He was able to get away. Pocket collapses, he steps up, and you see him take off for 26 yards. And that kills people. That kills defenses. And he did exactly that. And the offense was just, they executed and I mean, you can talk about it more because you just saw it. But I mean, the drop passes killed what could have been a higher scoring game than I I think anything else. Drop two point conversion, yeah. That yeah. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't want to particularly there's someone on our team who doesn't have great hands who gets a lot of balls and he just consistently bobbles them and then fumbles it. So there's someone on our team that does that. Uh, there's a couple of drops out there that happen at wide receiver that I think won't happen, but I will tell you what, um, you know, we were saying during watching the game is like Makai Polk was, I, that I watched I think I watched that play 15 times. That screen pass. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you know, doing the Chris Berman. Uh, yeah, exactly. Whoop. I was like, oh my goodness, this play is awesome. Like, use that in recruiting. Like, that's that was just electric. That's exactly what you want to see from freshmen in your program. You want them to have those moments. I remember Marshawn, when he was a freshman, he returned a kick, uh, I'm pretty sure to the house, and he was wearing the 24. Yeah. 
And uh, I just remember being like, damn, who's that guy? And then, you know, obviously we came Marshawn Lynch and um, we saw Javid do that his yeah, freshman year. Yeah. Like, we used to just have kind of like more of that freshman impact and underrated freshman impact player of the game is Deshaun Collins. Well, was, not a freshman, but newcomer. Oh, sorry. Yeah, newcomer. But I mean, really nice, like huge plays. Like I thought he played better than Dancy has shown in weeks. Yeah. Converting that long third down on that run to the oh, sideline. That was huge, huge. And how many times have we seen that play, that ball? Like, obviously not trying to throw Dancy on the bus, but we've seen it go to him, and he just gets stuffed at the line. And uh, he bounced that one outside and converted it. And, I mean, that was a huge play. So, yeah, sorry. That was uh, – but I just think that was great to see new guys. I mean, there was a lot of things that we've been asking for that sort of, like, materialized in this game in a really weird way, particularly the play action, particularly we were like, Hey, we brought in all these young guys. Where are they? Why are we not using yeah. any of them? Oh, aren't I being featured at all that we saw the play that you were talking about, like a three tight end set that we ended up. Yeah. Rolling four, all of them four out verticals to, yeah. from a three, three tight end set. And that's the one that led to that 42 yard throw to Jordan Duncan. So, I mean, it's, we're getting more creative. We're getting guys in motion and, but that's the weird thing for me, right? I mean, we talk about the young guys that we wanted to play. And so we had we had Kikoa out for God knows how long, right? And we needed guys to step up. But then we lose we lose Nico and Jeremiah for this game. And all of a sudden, like we see Makai getting more time out there. We saw Monroe Young get time out there. We saw Ben Skinner get time out there. Like, why weren't these guys getting more burn over the last few weeks when we had guys that were out like that's yeah. it just confuses me i do keep thinking like you know it's the season is oddly similar to last year yeah. when we were like kicking ourselves over the arizona game yep and then the washington state game and this year i'm like kicking ourselves we're kicking ourselves over the asu game and then the oregon state game and i just sort of think oh what could have been you know when we talk about cloud nine wins and all that stuff and like the optimism like oh what could have been the season feels a lot like what could have been still to me um and we have a lot to talk about that moving forward too yeah um so yeah i I think we'll move on from the game because we have a lot of questions about the game from you guys anyway so we're going to circle back but the one question that we do have to kind of talk about is coach wilcox just announced today a few hours before we started recording that Chase Garbers is now fully cleared. He is now fully cleared to play. Um, he's. They told us that he was. He had started throwing last week, and we saw that uh, in the in the warmups to the game. Like you saw him running around, um, you know, with the players, like just while they were warming up. Like he wasn't warming up himself, but you know, he was kind of like he was running routes, like running as the edge rusher, like to help out the offense get ready. Excuse me. Um, and you saw that saw that build up a little bit. And I put out the tweet a, f- a couple weeks last week when we heard that Garbers had started to throw again. And I was like, put it in the narrative, man. Chase Garbers <laughs> runs out of the tunnel wearing those Joe Roth uniforms, you know, and leads Cal to a three and zero finish. We, you know, this this is our this is our Willis Reed moment, like with the Knicks, right? Like, you know. <laughs> Goes out injured, comes back, runs out of that injury tunnel, and leads them to, to championship. Like, that's it, this. This could be that moment. And this was when after <laughs> I sent after I sent that tweet, and like it was I think close to a hundred people liked the tweet, and I was like, this is like the perfect embodiment of Cal fans, right? They don't want to admit that they're optimists. They don't. 
but they'll show it subtly. <laughs> and it's just things like that. I'm not saying that he's going to start next week. I, By all means, I do not think he'll start this week or next week. Um, I think Monster's done enough or did enough in the Washington State game to to be the starter, right? And there's no reason to rush out a guy who's coming back from a shoulder injury um, into the last home game of the season against USC, like just that atmosphere and like having him just go out there. Um, but he is, he is ready to play. We had a couple people ask, asking about one, when do you think Chase Garbles will play? And two, who would you start this week? Um, so I thought we could have a little bit of a discussion on that. So I'll give it to you first. I already know what you're thinking, but do you, I think I do. I don't even know if I know what I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> uh, I think I could see, I could easily see Garbers playing this week. Now that I sort of like hear that he was like actually throwing a week before. I mean, it's, I think these, this coaching staff is going to break it down to how practice is going. And I imagine that it'll just be, I I think, I think Garbers coming back for the Stanford game to me seems pretty realistic. I don't know if they would hold him out coming against the Stanford game. I think we're all like, oh my God, it's a return of Chase Garbage. Like, guys, like we had one good game. Like, I don't want to be, I just don't want to yeah, play yeah, yeah, the, like, yeah. Same. the negative role, but I'm like, I don't know if like it's going to be Chase riding in on the white horse with the, you know, the armor on and being like, hey guys, it's me and I'm going to throw four touchdowns and burn everybody for the rest of the season. Like, I totally yeah, agree. We had the old Miss game, but like outside of that, like the whole season was a struggle. And now well, we had the old Miss game and we had the, like the two drives there. The the yeah, yeah, they looked good. Yeah. They looked good. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I'm glad I don't have to make the decision, but I think if I was going into the USC game, I would say, you know, monster, it's your game. I'm not going to throw any distractions here. I don't want you worried about if you throw a pick, it's, you know, we're going to put chase back in the game. Like none of that. Like we're not going down that path. Go again. Out, yeah. Like you go out, handle SC and then, uh, and then in the meantime, prep two weeks again, against Stanford for Chase and kind of try to get ahead of what you might throw at a Stanford game plan. I think that might be the best of both worlds. Um, But yeah, I mean, who knows? Like who knows? I could easily see him coming out Saturday too. Yeah. I mean, they said the quarterback will be named later. So, I mean, we'll talk. Does Wilcox yeah, not it's, just it's, love this though? It's perfect. He it's loves perfect. Wilcox. It. Yeah. Oh it's, yeah. We'll we'll name a quarterback later. I don't have to. Oh yeah. I don't it's have to. Perfect tell gamesmanship. The opponent. Yeah. yeah. This is the perfect just, gamesmanship thing. He's so happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> he's so happy. And I think I think you nailed nailed the point perfectly, right? Like this is this is the perfect storm for you in bringing back a starting quarterback. Your backup is not necessarily struggling, right? He's doing enough to win you win you a game, right? And you can have him consistently go and you can prep your starter, your quote unquote starter. In the meantime, if said backup does not play up to par in the following game, like you have to see out what monsters confidence level can do for him. Right? Like he finally gets his first win, you know, as the Cal starter against Washington state plays well, doesn't throw an interception at all and throws some great balls the entire game and is great with his feet. You let him do what he can do against USC if he does, if he replicates the same performance that he does against Washington State against SC, then you keep riding the hot hand yeah. through. I don't think you I don't, make any yeah, changes. You don't make any changes there whatsoever. But yeah, we scored thirty points after all. Yeah. <laughs> That's like scoring yeah. sixty points. Yeah. <laughs> but in the meantime, let's say the opposite happens, and 
you know, he just becomes really, really bad against better competition. Yeah. Then you have that option to go back to Chase if he's ready by the Stanford game. Or, heck, even let's say the game goes badly and you have to throw Chase on there at halftime. Like, you you have that option for you now, and you can play it slowly. I just hope they don't decide to pull the plug too early. That's the Mm -hmm. only thing I'm worried about here. The moment you put the plug too early, we're going back to last year. The nice thing is, though, we're at home. That is, And I I think that matters a lot. It does. It definitely does. And so... you know, we get them at home. Memorial should be relatively crowded. You know, eight o'clock game. Well, senior yeah. night, Joe Roth night, plus Jared Goff bobblehead, like forty forty five. There should be a decent day. crowd. It won't be. A, it won't be a great, a huge crowd because of the game kickoff time, but still, it's still a decent crowd. Yeah, at least that kickoff. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, I don't think you mess with too much. The thing about USC is that they're sneaky good. You know, they're approaching the top 25 of S&P Plus. Uh, they're bet much – so if you're thinking, oh, this is USC, they're on the decline because you're hearing the rumblings about Helton being a shitty coach, remember that their expectations are through the roof. So they're – and I believe they're still possibly in contention for the South. They are. Um, and Slovis looks good. Like, that that team, yeah, they're hurt, and there's plenty of storylines. Like, you can talk yourself. Like, I think this would be a competitive football game, but this isn't going to be one of those things like, oh, hey, Cal should win. Um, this, no, this is, is a Cal could win. I think this is a Cal could win, and it should be more of a toss-up. You know, a four-and-a-half line, like, that's not, you know, too significant. So, it'll be a close game, but, um, you know, even, like, let's not – I just, you know, want to make sure like we – are all like looking at this, like if monster isn't perfect or like coming out, like he did against Washington state or any of that, like, you know, also the fan rumblings of, Oh, we should make the change now. Like hold off on that because you know, this opponent is totally different and you know, it's going to be a Clancy defense and we know Clancy defenses really well. And generally they play Cal pretty tough. So I'd expect like a much more of a bigger assignment for the offensive line, a lot smaller holes for the running backs to, to, to use. And then it's going to require Bo Baldwin to get really creative with the playbook. What we cannot do is come in and be like, everybody's healthy on the O line. Let's keep running these zone reads and like go back to what we were doing before. Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, no. We need to stay creative as much as possible um, and keep the pressure off of Devin Modster's shoulders and use that creativity to get guys into open space and, and to be able to, to let, just let some of these wide receivers and these running backs just make some moves, and we we haven't we haven't done that. We didn't do that the last you know, f- or the first few games of the season, right? We like we like pretty much just kept running against the wall, and every once in a while the wall would break down, and we would we would score. Like, but like you saw over the last two games, like we're throwing you know options, and we're like our, we're actually running RPOs now. Like they're not designed runs. Like you saw it against Washington state, you saw Devon like actually making a decision to either hand off or throw. And he made the correct decisions on most of them. I think there were one or two he'd probably want back, but you know, he was also hard on himself too. After the game, they asked him, you know, what would you rate yourself? And he's like, probably average at best. (laughs) Like he wanted, he wanted throws back. That's how competitive the dude is. Um, And yeah, there's no way you, you take his like label as the starter away from him after that type of performance. I think that's if you do that, that's that's terrible coaching in my opinion. Like it's just you're like what more could the guy have done to save his job from an injured guy coming back? I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't say it's terrible coaching. 
I think that if Garbers had a stellar week of practice and looked like he hadn't missed a beat out of the playbook, you might default back to your one, two, three order that you had in preseason. Because you could make the case that Chase looked fantastic against Ole Miss and Arizona State. And like, what did he do to not deserve the starting role? So I think it's more of the timing of it, you know, how much of the, you know, how much of what has changed in the playbook um, is Chase really up to speed on. And that matters a lot. I, I just don't think it's a terrible decision if you decide to pull Monster. I think either way, I'd be happy. Yeah, that's fine. Like, let's see what Chase has. Let's see what Devon has. And uh, and we have t- two good options. We have guys that aren't going to lose us the game. Like, look at where we are now versus last year when we had to worry about, you know, balls flying out of nowhere and fumbles and turnovers and just, like, it's so much better because we have people that like they can be game managers and they, and then there's some hope that they could be even more than that. And that, you know, will take, it just sucks that we're sitting at this point being like five and four rather than, you know, closing out an Oregon state or closing out an Arizona state who now, you know, the win the loss is looking a little bit worse. Um, you know, that's what hurts is just the revisionist history that I put myself through. Cause I like torture <laughs> for some reason. Let me ask you this. This is a this is a hot take question. All right. Is the Bull Baldwin offense and what he's trying to do here almost too intricate that it take it took this much time for guys to get it? So like, that's yeah, I mean it's a good question. I've been sort of I've been saying this for a better part of this season that yeah, it possibly is. It seems like it takes two guys way too long to pick things up, right? It took Chase arguably a year and a half, a year and a half of playing in the system to really start to grasp it, and I think that's too complex uh, for its own good. But I, I mean, to some degree now, like the way the offense looks, the plays that we run, I mean, it's sort of bizarre to me that like this isn't. Yeah, it's it is weird that it's happening now and it's super conflicting because I had like completely set the ship to sail, said goodbye to everybody and was like peace out, let's go get a new O coordinator. And now I'm back here like, well, you know, I used to say this all the time that if Bo went and got a different job at a school that had maybe like, you know, better pedigree that I think he would be really successful. I I sort of think that we're seeing that now. Like, could you imagine that, like, let's say we had let go of Bill Baldwin and then saw this at a different school and been like, what in the world? Like, like, (laughs) where was this? And then it was just there the whole time, but we never used it. So, yeah, to some degree, I think, yes, the playbook is potentially too complex. But I also think, like, they weren't doing a good job of taking the playbook and applying it to the individuals uh, and their skill sets. And then what for whatever reason, they seemed to do it for the first time with Spencer Brash. And then it seemed like they did it with Monster. And now it's like, okay, this thing is starting to hum. Like, look at that. So I don't I mean, I'm sure we're totally wrong on this. I would just say that. I'm oh, yeah. sure we're totally wrong. When are we ever right? Yeah. Well sometimes. sometimes. Play actions. <laughs> screens. <laughs> Play actions and screens. Tackling angles. But um I think that you can make a you know, from the outside perspective that we do have, it does seem like that could be the case. Yeah. I mean, you made the, I mean, this is not the best comparison to make, but you always talk about your Niners and Kyle, Kyle Shanahan's offense and how long it takes for guys to, to get adjusted. And that's why when Kyle came in, he brought in guys from his Atlanta days, like Levine Toilolo and 
and and just certain guys that knows the system to help ease that system in a little bit. He came in. I mean, Baldwin came in here. I mean, this is. I guess I'm making an excuse for him, but he came in here with only one guy that he really hired, which was Edwards. Like he's Edwards is the only guy that he brought along with him, you know. And he's he was kind of forced to work with Greatwood, which I mean was to his benefit just because he's a pretty dang good coach. It's becoming more of a question mark now, but I mean that's a discussion for a later time. And then some of the other assistant staffs is just guys that he might not have had, you know like a 100% say in like, this is the guy I want to bring in, or this is the guy I don't want to bring in. Hmm. So, I mean, that has to play a part, right? Because you want, you bring in your own guys. That's going to teach the guys, the system and the style of play that you explicitly want. And maybe there was just learning time for that. I'm not saying like the coaches hate each other. I'm just saying maybe the assistant coaches had, and Bo Baldwin as well had needed time to adjust on what their expectations for those assistant coaches were and what those assistant coaches were looking for Bo to, to tell them to do. Yeah. You know, there's just adjustment. I think the right approach here is definitely a wait and see because we saw, you know, the bye week, the second bye week was unbelievably clutch for us. Yeah. And then to get it against an opponent that we're super comfortable with uh, schematically. So we probably saw the coaches at their most comfortable. I want to see them this week. They'll be a lot less comfortable. And if we continue to see this type of progress, then there's a real case to be made that there's a whole lot of potential for this type of offense, especially if you added depth to it. Yeah. The problem with this season seems to be that like we lose one player. I think like Nick's tweet just comes back to me about like how, like he kind of talks about how the coaches took this like, you know, clearly broken system and then did a really like patch, like what they could with it, where they like got a couple of grad transfers in, um, and you know took a couple bets on some jc guys and nearly pulled it off and then it was like we just like the o-line got hurt and then wide receivers got hurt and then you know starting quarterback gets hurt and then it's just like the house of cars everything crumbles and i do think that to some degree you know you could start to make that case that if you see games like this like obviously if you put more and more talent into that system which we do in this recruiting class we do have that talent um, that this could be, you know, an offense that actually scores 30 points more than once every blue moon. <laughs> um, I guess we'll dive into the questions. That's a strong pivot, 90 degree turn. But here's the one thing. When I was tweeting at the game, the funniest thing I saw was a tweet from Coog Center, which is our sister site that covers Washington State. And their tweet basically was like, this, this is how you come to play out of a bye week. And I saw that tweet and I was like, wow, that sounds strangely familiar. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem like too long ago that we were saying that. It's quite possible that all of us fans put too much emphasis <laughs> on the bye week. Most of the bye week, they give the players off. So like when I was with the team, they get to you, go home or and things like that too. Yeah. It would time. be like, take the first four days off and then, you know, you would do, you still do the weight routine, but then come back and then we'll get into pads. You know, it was basically like nothing. So I think people put too much weight in that. Oh, well, getting healthy and extra time to prepare. But th- I mean, it seemed to work this week. Yeah. I mean, the healthy part, I think is true. Yeah. The healthy part definitely is. But all right, moving on. Let's move on to the questions. We got one from uh, Cal Kangila. Kangila? On Twitter. When does Chase Garbage make his return? I think we kind of talked about this. I think it's probably for the big game. 
So I would expect, you know, on the farm, I think if you can pull that off where you get him comfortable and, you know, let's say you do get that SC win, the SC win would complicate it. If, if I do agree with what you said, Rob, like if, if monster has a really good game, then I think, why would you take, it's kind of like the hot hand. Um, yeah. But if he throws another four, if he, if he throws three touchdowns with no interceptions and runs one for a touchdown, yeah, I, don't forget th- it. I don't think you can pull forget him. Forget it. Yeah. You'd have outcry in Berkeley. The, my if, only if yeah. Nam will be the happiest guy in the world if that happens. Yep. If we score that, I mean, because there's no way as he's scoring that many points on our defense. Yeah. I think the one thing about Chase that I will say is if it was any other injury, I'd say, yeah, he'll probably come back faster than ever. But the re- the thing is it's a shoulder injury. And shoulder injuries are key because you need to be able to throw as a quarterback, right? Like he started throwing last week, but how good are, do his throws look? How comfortable is he trusting his shoulder when he's throwing? How comfortable is he when he's taking hits and landing on said shoulder? That's what I think it is. It's like yeah. it's a collarbone. So, yeah. or that's what we all think it is. Yeah, I'm like I mean, ninety-eight percent sure. Yeah. So, if it's a collarbone, like it's can you absorb the impact? Yeah. And is it really like? Is it? I mean, I guess if he's cleared, he's cleared. So. Yeah. But I mean, it's getting over that mental hurdle, right? It's like basketball players that come back from knee injuries. It's like how you you like think about when you're jumping off of that leg like no matter what and it's a matter of like getting over that mental hurdle and not thinking about it and just trusting your body to I, be able to go through it and i do think that he'll be okay because he was scrambling on the play that got him hurt and right. it's not like but if he had been like blindsided sacked or like right, had right. that concussion like you can kind of see go sometimes so I, I do think that's in our that's in his in our advantage as well yeah it's true that all right, next one. What pirate would you compare Coach Wilcox to? And why does it make him better than Mike Leach? That's from our friend Donovan Frazier on Twitter. What pirate would you compare Coach Wilcox to? Hmm. Let's see. I don't my, know my that history, many favorite. I don't my, know that many famous pirates. My history of pirates is very, very thin, and most of it comes via playing Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Captain Hook. <laughs> <laughs> uh Soft, probably a soft-spoken captain. You know, doesn't really do much. None, none come to mind. I can't really think of one um, off the top of my head. Who are the pirates from um, the? What's the game that I was playing? Um, we play a lot of games together. Uncharted. Yes, those are pirates too. Those right? are pirates. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. Uh, I don't remember what pirate's treasure he was going after in that game, though. <laughs> There's like uh, a group of pirates. Yeah, yeah, it was. Which one is Wilcox? Yeah. I know. Whatever one is the grumpiest after the time he loses his battles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Yep. Yep. Exactly that. And he'll never give you a firm answer if he actually has treasure or no treasure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I were, could... you a- were you able to get any treasure from the rival pirate gang? Uh, we'll talk about it on Monday. Yeah, I'll have to look at the tape. Yeah, I'll, I'll have, have to look. look I'll look. Have to, I'll look. Have to look at the tape, and then I'll let you guys know. I'm not too sure if we uh, secured the treasure on that one or not. Go pirates! Yeah, go pirates! <laughs> uh, all right, our friend Jai asks, "How likely is it that we win our next three games?" Also, is it Nam's birthday? First of all, it's always Nam's birthday. Nam, I love you. It's your birthday. It is your birthday. It actually isn't, but we. <laughs> he hates it when we say that. Uh, and I just I just love trolling them. 
How, but how likely is it that we win our next three games? If you were to put a percentage, right, like on winning th- the three games as a whole, like as a batch, like what would you say? Uh, would you say it's three toss-ups? I'd say it's two toss-ups and one underdog. Who's the underdog? I think the UCLA game. Okay. I think you put the I, – I mean, that's just my personal thing is – I was talking to Avi about this after uh, the the Washington State game, and we have just traditionally under Wilcox have played terribly under legitimate dual threat run, uh, quarterbacks, and DTR has been playing really well this season, like on and off. But at least with his legs, he's been very consistent. And I mean, if we lose contain, like he's burning us for yards and yards on end. So that's why I think that game. I think we definitely have to be the underdog into that one. I think of winning all three games, there's like a 20 to 20 to 30% chance. I mean, and I think if you actually looked at the advanced statistics on that, I'm pretty sure there's actually like a 30% chance that we lose all three games. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, personally with literally no substantiated argument here would say it's 20 to 30% chance of us winning. I think realistically we go two and one. That's what kind of what I'm, that's what I, yeah. Head. And that's where I'm at. I think we can get SC and Stanford or some combination. Maybe it's. I think know, we get Stanford for sure, and I think, I think it's a toss-up yeah. between the two LA schools. If we don't get, I, I mean, I don't think any Stanford fans are going to be at that game. It's basically going to be a home game. Like, there's nothing going on on the farm right now. We're so motivated. I think it's just going to be hard for that Stanford team to even get up for the big game. So I would expect that. I do expect to win that game, and then, um, yeah, UCLA. I, I don't really know how I feel about that game. Um, and then SC, I think it's just a total toss-up. I can't call it really one way or the other. I think we'll win, but uh, it's just because I'm a Cal fan. Like, there's no actual reasoning behind why I think we'll win. Yeah, and I think I, – I don't – I also don't have the stats to prove this, but I did see a tweet where it was basically saying Chip Kelly, like, all-time against Wilcox. Like, when Chip Kelly is a head coach or an offensive coordinator playing against Justin Wilcox's defenses, like, Chip Kelly's offenses have won more often than not. Yeah, some owners there. Yeah, so I think uh, it's basically how Wilcox plays against air raid, air raid def- or air raid offenses, right? Like well, he has that's that. That's the nice thing about the SC game because Graham Harrell. Yeah, they're an air raid team. Yeah, so that's the thing that I mean, I love that you're going to give me two non-mobile quarterbacks in a row out of playing air raid systems. Like they defense has just got to be so excited for that. Oh yeah, um, they're going to be feasting. It's just how our offense plays against the defense. I think that determines that game. And then hopefully no meaningful special teams either way. <laughs> All right, next one's from our uh, Twitter friend, Mario. Does Monster start the rest of the way, even if Garbers are going healthy? It depends on how Monster plays. I mean, that's the that's the only answer there, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, if Monster continues to be inconsistent and explosive and Chase either doesn't make it back for the season or it looks just pretty good not old miss good do we have a qb battle on our hands for 2020 totally yeah i think regardless of what happens this season you have a quarterback battle on your hands at the st- in spring and in the fall yeah but like thank goodness like, yeah. this is such a good problem to have you have <laughs> two you have two like decent to like you know serviceable quarterbacks now yeah and, and now it's a now it's a battle two in the next class i think two in the next class so uh and then brash who you know obviously looks looked good um so I think, yeah, great. Great problem to have. Give me all the quarterback drama we can get. We need it. Dude, give me five scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. 
Just I'm, I'm I'm more than happy with that. Like we we need more than three because <laughs> clearly three yeah. is not enough. <laughs> Give me the Luke Falk, Gardner Minshew, Anthony Gordon back to back to back. That'd be great. Yeah, thank you. I will take it. Thank you very much. Rest in peace, uh, Tyler Helinski. It's uh they. Mm. I don't know if you saw, but they uh it was they like commemorated him for their senior day, like the, or they're going to, um, which is I think really cool. That's great. All I've been loving concerned. all the stuff from uh, South Carolina where they do the three and yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, Helinski's Hope is a great, fantastic organization. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. All right, next one. Our good friend Peter. Drayden just played his fourth game. Assuming Beck is back, do we hold Drayden back to keep his red shirt, or having him and Beck in dime packages rotation is better? Woo! That's a Damn. fire question. Coming with the heat. What do you think, Rob? Uh. I think you hold him back as much as possible. You, you're gonna have to try. I mean, if let's if Beck is unable to go 100, percent right, like he is out for the game, right? You're gonna have to burn it. Like he's been Drayden played so well against Washington State that you can't afford not to play him. The thing is, you want to save this as much as possible because Beck Beck is gone after the season, no matter what. And if you're able to keep him on then you have a guy that can play the nickel spot or can play outside if Cam or Elijah were to leave next or at the end of this season, which they could. I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying they could. Is Beck out with the same arm injury? I think so. The one where he had the club on his hand, and I think mm-hmm. I think that's it. I mean, you know the injury reports. Like, they don't really doesn't yeah. tell you anything, but judging from what we've seen, that's that's what it is, so... I mean, it'd be great to have both of them back, but I think if they have both of them back, they're going to redshirt Drayden because they'd much rather prefer the depth going into next year and because they know Beck can hold his own, you know? So I just don't think there's a reason to, to waste it if possible. Yeah, that's a hell of a decision. That's yeah. a really tough decision. I would, would argue that's a tougher decision than the quarterback decision. I'd say so too, yeah. All right, we've got a question from uh, Andy. Will Andy ever attend another game? I don't think so. <laughs> no, no home game. No, I know, but big game. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So you will be attending another game. I'm going to the big game. You just won't be attending another home game. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, the funny thing about Washington State, you know, you know, Washington State, the Luke Falk, Ross helicopter, the Friday whatever, night game. Your good acronyms, yeah. names for it. Uh, that game I was supposed to go to, but I didn't go because of the smoke. Right? Maybe. I think. Yeah. Weren't we both there in the box? Or did I leave early? I you might I have. Early. You think you, I think you left early because of how the game had already gone. Okay. No, no. I like. I, all right. Well, I'm pretty sure that I was like in the a box. thing with me and Washington State where okay. I don't go to these games and I don't see all of our most fun wins. <laughs> <laughs> and then I do seem to go to the games like the UCLA game or the Oregon State game that are the least fun. Homecoming. Wins. Homecoming, I will. I just don't think I'm ever going back. Yeah. But the big game, I never miss the big game. Yeah. I'm always at the big game. We will be at the tailgate. Come say hello. One o'clock kickoff time. Rob's not happy. I'm stoked. I'm not happy. I wanted a 4 p.m. kickoff. You can never be pleased. Yeah. No, I'm, I've always said it. I, I'm not a fan of the 1 p.m. kickoffs. I'm a fan of the 4 p.m.s. 1 p.m. is better than 12 p.m. I, of course. Which is better than 11 p.m. Oh, oh, which is okay. better than 9 a.m. If you keep going backwards. 
All right. Uh, we got another one here. What Cal campus building does Clay Helton most remind you of? That's from Edyev. Ooh, Clay Helton. It's got to be pretty boring and mundane. But then slightly exciting because you know that there's a change on the horizon. LeConte? Le- <laughs> LeConte? Yeah. <laughs> LeConte? Might have to edit that yeah. one out. <laughs> LeConte? That's what we all called it. Wow. I mean that's it's it's a college it's a college joke which I think is fine I don't think we need to edit that but yeah questionable <laughs> maybe Eshelman I didn't I didn't spend any time in Eshelman that's but, the engineering but, building no 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 that's Eshelman's the is it the engineering building it's the main building right next to MLK the one that had the twenty four hour library on on uh, Braincroft. I feel like Eshelman was where all my engineering friends always went. They're always at Eshelman. Do you know where the student union or the, the like where student union held their or student assembly like held their meetings? Do you know which building I'm talking about? No. Um, it's the building that now that was next to Bears Lair when we were in college. Right. Like the tall, the tall one next to the student union building, in right. the student store. Mm-hmm. They tore that down and then they rebuilt it, mm. which is now like a super like super nice modernized building. But back in the day, like it was grimy and gross and they had the lockers for like all the tables that you like used for tabling downstairs. But like it was in like it was in like steel cages. (laughs) I think like he's like good, not great. Evans seems good from the outside. Not that good on the inside. Yeah. Evans was the worst on the inside, but it looked really modern. I feel like that's what people say on dates. (laughs) Like, well, what what territory are we like veering in towards? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> we're we're going we're veering into that territory. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know what what campus building Clay Helton reminds you. Of. I think it for me it has to be Eshelman. It's something that's that's serviceable, but then if you if you scrape it and you build a new building on top of it, it'll be so much nicer and better. <laughs> Um, all right, we got another one. Chase or Devon? Who you got? I mean, I think we spent. We're beating that horse. Woo, I think we talked about that quite a bit, quite a bit. Um, we have a couple questions also from our our Discord channel, um, which you are more than happy to join. For anyone that's interested, just uh, send me a DM on uh, at CGB Bearcast or at Rob Eleven HWNG, and I will hook you up with uh, that invite. But here we go. Um, what does Bo, what does Baldwin, sorry, what does Bo Baldwin have to do to save his job? Ooh. With the last three games remaining, what do you think he has to do to save his job? Go two and one with a win over SC or UCLA and, uh, and, and an ax and it's probably safe. Regardless of how much they score. Yeah. I mean, maybe let's say, okay, you put up 24 against SC and you put up 24 to maybe 30 against Stanford. So basically you're averaging 25 points like the rest of the way is what you're saying. And then even if I think you lost to UCLA 25 to 10, I still think that he keeps his job probably. All right. I, I, um, I think it's safer than we would like it to be. I really do. I think the things that are more wild, card, wild cards with Baldwin are his own intention with – 
uh, staying in California and all that type of stuff that we know, you know, like if his family isn't down here and that type of stuff. So I think for me, it's more of a personal decision than it is actually as much like we as the fans are like, oh, yeah, like well, this needs to be like the decision of the offseason. I have a feeling that it's more safe than we would all expect. All right. Uh, we've got a question here. I guess we'll finish off with the football ones and there's one basketball one, but monster took seven sacks against OSU and only two against Washington state. What's your explanation for this difference? You know what it is. So foul. Yeah. He's the MVP, but uh, him being back shifts everybody to the right, you know, to a position they're more familiar with. Uh, you also have to factor in like Washington state's defense hasn't been, I mean, they had two good games coming up into this game and then sort of, regress they didn't get much pressure on the quarterback we had a lot of really good running lanes so just like i would point to the return of your center who's able to call out those you know make decisions like call assign different pickups and all that and you know center is a massively important position on the field so um you know send all of your good health vibes to mike safel and make sure that he's healthy for the rest of the year because that's a huge difference for us yeah, I mean that that's huge. And you we also have to remember that Washington State fired their defensive coordinator a couple weeks ago in Tracy Clays, who's the former Minnesota head coach, I believe. Yeah, I think I'm right there. Uh but yeah, so they're they're going through some changes on the defensive side, so you know, there's that. Uh Am I crazy? This is from this is our this is our friend Nick. Not Nick Krantz, the other Nick. Uh, am I crazy or does it feel like we have insanely bad injury luck every year? <laughs> I think it's crazy. I thought we had pretty decent. We were what Laird was maybe one, and then we had yeah. Bowers. But then I don't. I don't think our injury luck is any worse than any other program. I mean, SC is looking at us, being like, "What are you guys complaining about?" The injury luck for us this year makes makes it look worse because we don't have the depth. Yeah, that's basically what it is. I mean, I don't think. There's no team that hasn't gone through injury. Have you looked at the list of how many pa- how many quarterbacks each Pac-12 team has played this year? Yeah. Other than I think what uh, Colorado and maybe Oregon and Utah. Oregon Utah. No, no, Utah has played Shelley because Huntley's yeah. been injured for a little bit. Um, and then I also think Oregon State. Uh, but other than that, like they everyone else has had multiple. Like and by multiple, I mean more than two quarterbacks play. So. I think yeah, you notice injuries when you don't have the depth to make up for them. Yep. And that's what we consistently say with our injury luck is, oh, it's so devastating if we just had this one guy. Get out of a position of stuff, like of having to depend on that one person to carry that much of a load, and you won't notice it as much. So I think it's just more of a reflection of a fact that like we need to recruit better, and yep. we need to stack the coffers and make sure that you know if somebody goes down, it isn't as impactful to the team. Recruiting is huge. The last thing that people wanted to ask was, what are your thoughts on the new look Mark Fox coached basketball team? What are your thoughts, expert Rob? I am not the expert. The expert is uh, Reef and Nick with their analytics. So if you haven't read their stuff over the past two weeks over the basketball stuff, I highly recommend you watch yourself on over to California Golden Blogs and and take a a read. Reef, after wins and reading his win recaps, are the best. Absolutely the best. So good and so much fun to read. I love you, Reef. Um, but the team looks good. The team was predicted to finish 12th in the conference. Judging by what I saw over the first two games, one's an exhibition against St. Martin's, which eh, and then one's a legitimate top 100 team in college basketball. 
we're not going to finish 12th in the league. We're, we're just not. I highly, highly doubt it with this team. The only way I think this team does that is if we miss an exorbitant amount of shots, which doesn't look like the case anyways because our guys are knocking down shots left and right, um, or the injury bug hits, hits us badly. And I think those are the only two ways. Because the biggest thing here and the difference between the previous regime and, and will and Mark Fox is that Mark Fox knows what's wrong with this team. He knows exactly like what adjustments he needs to make, like what what is working in a game and what to stick with. Like you watch the Pepperdine game, right? And the biggest thing with the Pepperdine game is they ran a pick and roll between either Andre Kelly and either one of Matt Bradley and, and Paris Austin constantly on the right, off the right wing. Pepperdine had no answer for it. They had, zero, they had they had no idea what to do. Lorenzo Romar, the former UW coach who was an assistant with uh, Arizona, and now his second year with Pepperdine, like he's just he's just like ah, like he just didn't know what to do. So it's things like that. Like he he recognized that it was effective, and he kept at it until the very end. And he also talked about in his post game conference. I can't remember if this was after St. Martin's or after Pepperdine. And he said, "Yeah, this was this is a start." Right, and I'm so happy for the guys with all their hard work that they've put in this year, and in the off season to get to where they are now. But defensively, we're not even close to where we need to be to be with the elite teams. And he he specifically said we're not even in the same galaxy as those teams. Like he recognizes the work that needs to be done to stay to get to that competitive level. But the wins like this along the way only will help guys stay motivated in in getting to that process or getting through that process. Under under Viking, like there was none of that, yeah. And you know we saw that defensively and even offensively, like it's still a work in progress. But the best thing about this is that you see guys starting to move. You see guys moving without the ball. There's secondary and, and tertiary options after the primary option on said play does not does not work, right? And the biggest question I have with this team, and I. I, I think you can help me out with this. I can't remember who said this. I think it was Wilcox, but it was talking about um, how how much they can get rid of the bad habits and install the good habits. And that's basically what this is, is how quickly can Mark Fox take out all the bad habits on offense and defense that the guys that had been on this team have and how quickly can he install the good ones? Because we saw it in flashes over the last two games where they have flashes offensively and defensively of very, very good moments. And then there are moments where they revert back to the habits that they had under Viking. And then on top of that, when you have a lot of freshmen playing, like they're just on a huge learning curve anyways. So those are the things that they need to kind of manage as much as possible. But, I mean, Matt Bradley is going to be a stud in this league all season. The dude is... The dude takes like threes from like three like feet behind the new college three-point line which <laughs> the dude was on fire like if if you haven't watched it go back and watch the Pepperdine highlights like there's one play where it was a miss and Grant Antisevich like under the basket like just like it's going out of bounds and he just saves it and he just tosses it back to the three-point line Matt Bradley catches it drives left and then steps back and then off one foot as he's fading shoots the three because he realizes the shot clock's down to like two he nails it. <laughs> Absolutely nails it. He's going to be so good this year. And if you have a chance, please go out and watch these guys because 
it's they're they're young and they're fast. They play super high tempo, especially on offense, and they try to get in transition as much as possible. And my goodness, Joel Brown, the the freshman point guard from Brewster, uh, who's also one of the Canadian guys on the team. Oh, I love him. Like one of the vi- YouTube videos called him the Canadian Rondo. He pretty much plays like that. Pretty much plays like Rondo. And he's super, super fun to watch. You know what crazy is one of my coldest takes, or coldest takes, was that he'd be the starting point guard at some point this season. He started game one. <laughs> yeah, I think the big thing for Cal basketball is, like, Viking did a good job recruiting, so it's not surprising that this... They had the talent, yeah. Yeah, we can't the talent's take always been there. Yeah. Like, he's he was a really good recruiter. So it's just a matter of, like, keeping the recruiting at that same level. Um and coaching up the guys that are here. But this is like one of those teams, like you could easily see yourself talking into the, hear the argument two years down the line. Like, let's say it's like not, maybe not this season, but the season after like, Oh, son, Cal's like all of a sudden really good. And then everyone graduates and everyone's like, Oh, Mark, it's Mark Fox just inheriting. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. Vikings, blah, blah. Hopefully that happens. I don't think anyone will be talking about inheriting Vikings, anything. <laughs> yeah, We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, Pretty much wraps it up for us here. Uh, we are done here from the Bearcast. You can find all our stuff at CaliforniaGoldenBlogs.com. You find us on Twitter at CGB Bearcast. You can find me at Rob11HWNG. You find Andy at Andy J Beast Mode. And um, we have a bunch of stuff going up now. Uh, this is the time of year where we're going to have content pretty much every single day of the year. Uh, but the last thing, the last ending note I wanted to leave everyone with is um, a quick shout-out to a former Cal football player in Eric Stevens. And um, I believe, Andy, do you remember if it's a GoFundMe that they have set up or a foundation that they have set up? Is it a GoFundMe? They have a GoFundMe, and then I noticed that his firefighters also put up a different page for funding. So there's two. I guess there's two. Um, If you haven't heard, Eric Stevens, former Cal uh, football player who is the brother of famous Cal tight end Craig Stevens and they both played in the NFL for quite some time um, was recently diagnosed with ALS um, just after getting married I believe pretty recently a month after getting a married. month after getting married um, he is currently he's currently a firefighter um, that was his thing after playing football is that's what he wanted to do if you haven't seen it or heard there's a really good thing on they were on the Ellen DeGeneres show I, I believe it was either today or yesterday I think it was today. Um, and you can go to the Ellen DeGeneres Twitter page and you can see their interview that they, um, him and his wife did with Ellen over six minutes. It was emotionally like, I, it was tough to watch. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Cal family supporting one another in this, in this situation is one of the best things about college sports, right? Yeah. I, I, I donated like right when it came out cause Eric was on the football team. Like we crossed, over by a year when I was on the, when I was working with the football team, uh, he's just a genuinely super nice guy. So, uh, it's really hard to see him even have a slow speech. Uh, so please donate if you can. Um, and you know, just follow the story. It's kind of, it's amazing to see somebody that is up against, you know, one of the world's worst diseases and, you know, just a pure, fighter really strong person and embodies so much of what the university is about so um yeah all the best to him and please support 
Yeah. I don't know if you're list- if you're ever going to listen to this, Eric, but we're behind you. You're going to beat this thing. Because you're a cow bear. There's nothing more to it. Nothing more to it. All right. That's all from us. And as always, go bears. Go bears. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.